We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. fans you are not mistaken your ears are not playing a trick that is the voice of the Bearcast coming at you live here in the east bay area this is, is uh are they listening to a live are we live we are live or we are alive today it's live, sucks. man it's it's live i was gonna say welcome to what's going to be a very interesting blend of depressing content with a smidge of optimism because i can only live the way i know how but i digress i'm one of your co-hosts andy alongside i have rob rob what's happening sports died today r.i.p sports as we know it so rob's in a great mood (laughs) and we also have a special guest the legend himself, Avi. Avi, how you doing? Sports is about to be resurrected. <laughs> there we go. It's time for the New Just Testament, as- my friends. I'm looking forward to the world in which Cal wins the Mountain West and goes to the Rose Bowl like every other year. Sounds great. I believe you're referring to the Las Vegas Bowl. <laughs> or whatever the second Las Vegas Bowl is. I don't know where the Mountain West champ goes now. Whatever that may be and will be, we, have, of course, are talking about the events that were announced today, which is USC and UCLA have left the Pac-12 conference and are joining the Big Ten. This With came a little, as a... Well, asterisk at the bottom, effective 2024. So they haven't left yet. They will be leaving. Will be leaving. It's official... Yeah, it's a done deal. However, yep. Rob, I am going to turn it over to you to take us through a little bit of a timeline of the events today that disrupted, I think, everybody's <laughs> Thursday. Yeah, if you're a Pac-12 fan, this like this is this is one of those days where like Andy, I know like you're off Twitter right now, but like this was one of those days where you like you wanted to be on Twitter. You wanted it's like a train wreck happening in real time. 
like you can't take your eyes off it. You want to like look away and not like think about it during that day uh, with just the unimaginable horrors of what was unfolding. But like you still you still watched because and you wanted to be in the know of everything that was happening as it happened. So let's let's take a stroll back just uh, a little over 12 hours ago. Okay, <laughs> a little over 12 hours ago. That's crazy to me. All right. At 9.34 a.m., John Wilner tweets out, I believe the world is about to change. <laughs> That's what he tweets out. And referring I referring to the Kevin Durant trade. Well, yeah, the trade demands. The Kevin Durant trade demands is probably what he was referring to. Um, but and I, I asked some of the some of the guys, I was like, did I miss something? Like, is there a rumor that like I haven't been like talked like I haven't heard? Um, and then literally minutes later at 10.23 a.m., or actually like an hour later, John Wilner tweets out again, source, USC and UCLA are planning to leave for the Big Ten as early as 2024. Move has not been finalized at the highest levels of power. This throws the entire day or the entire like internet and Twitter and college football fandom into chaos. Um, then Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated tweets out, USC and UCLA are in negotiations to join the Big Ten source. Our conference, a source tells Sports Illustrated, confirming Wilner's report a stunning but not at all surprising move. Teams are jockeying to get in the top two leagues of football, the SEC and the Big Ten. Then uh, that happens. Then another thing hap- uh, another announcement comes out about that the regents or the, the presidents of the Big Ten schools would be meeting at 3 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, to talk about is it 3 p.m pacific time or is it 3 p.m eastern anyways uh to vote on said uh action and they all of course vote yes and then it throws the entire system into chaos pete the mel uh also i think of yahoo tweeted out the biggest obstacle in such a move had long been ucla leaving cal behind because it meant breaking away from uc system per sources one Pac-12 source said that they were "quote unquote" stunned UCLA would make that move. That happened at ten uh, fifty-four. Then we go into this whole really long conversation within the writers about uh, other schools and fandoms that we would love to play against. <laughs> we we were in a ha- little happy mood. Then uh, Dan Wetzel uh, also tweeted out, as for the Pac-12 and college sports out West, this is not good. There's no replacing USC and UCLA. Less money, less recruiting base, less prestige. Does Pac-12 poach some of the Mountain West, San Diego State, or Boise, for example? Does Oregon try to find a new home? Tough development. Nicole Auerbach of ESPN tweets out at 11.12, just got off the phone with someone who believes this eventually will lead to two mega conferences, the Big Ten and SEC, with 20 or more members apiece. Uh, cue the Elmo on fire gif uh, left and right. That's where it goes. Then Brett McMurphy of Stadium tweets out at 11.30, USC and UCLA are expected to join the Big Ten as early as 2020. Seasons, uh, the 2020 season sources told Action Network HQ for supported by Wilner. It's not official yet, but I put it at 90% industry source said. Both Pac-12 schools initially approached Big Ten about joining. So this wasn't a Big Ten to the our schools move. It was the USC and UCLA approaching them. Who knows who made the first move? Um, then all these, uh, yeah. Nicole Auerbach also tweets out 1142. USC and UCLA's move to the Big Ten is all but wrapped up. Sources tell The Athletic could be an announcement today. Oh, I had no idea Nicole joined The Athletic. I thought she was still at ESPN. Um, 
then uh, Pete Thamel tweets at 1140, spoke to a few sources who called USC and UCLA's move to the Big Ten a formality with a press conference expected in the next 24 hours, perhaps. As soon as tonight, this is essentially done. Well, hindsight, we didn't get a press conference, but we got a bunch of press releases. Um, and so that's uh, basically where we ended up. Then it was just a whole bunch of uh, speculative news. Brett McMurphy saying that the Big Ten may not stop at 16. They might uh, – the Big Ten – the Big 12 may get aggressive and look to add Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. Um and also, John Wilner said, source, don't assume the Big Ten is done. John Canzano of the Oregonian reported, Big Ten isn't close to done. Keep an eye on Washington, Oregon, Stanford, and Cal, maybe Utah and Colorado. I mentioned those for a reason. Also, source says, this is all Fox-driven. They made this happen. No way UCLA and USC reached out first. Um, yeah, so it ha- the meeting happened at 3 p.m. Pacific. Uh, and then they okayed it, and the announcements went out. Josh Henschel, uh, I don't know what uh, outlet he's a part of, but he said from a source, SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles is a potential target to host the Big Ten Championship game at some point in the near future with this agreement. That was like a little added addendum. And then at 4.31 p.m., Pete Thamel tweets, USC and UCLA have been notified that their application to join the Big Ten has been accepted. The schools will begin play in 2024. SC officially tweets out from their athletics department Twitter handle at 4.40. Official, USC will join the Big Ten conference in 2024. UCLA's athletic Twitter handle also tweets out the same thing at 4.42 p.m. And that is where we're at. Uh, The Pac-12 also issued a statement, uh, and I'll read it out. While we are extremely surprised and disappointed by the news coming out of UCLA and USC today, we have a long and storied history of athletics, academics, and leadership in supporting student-athletes that we're confident will continue to thrive and grow into the future. The Pac-12 is home to many of the world's best universities, athletic programs, and alumni, representing one of the most dynamic regions in the United States. We've long been known as the Conference of Champions, and we're and we are unwavering in our commitment to extend that title. We will continue to develop new and innovative programs that directly benefit our program institutions, and we look forward to partnering with current and potential members to pioneer the future of college athletics together. That was the Pac-12 statement. And that is pretty much it. Ryan Cartier of the LA Times uh this is the last thing I'll read, reported. Multiple sources tell the LA Times that no other Pac-12 members are expected to be added to the Big Ten at this time. Oregon, Washington, Stanford, etc. will not be following USC and UCLA. That's today at 641. I should say that um, I think if you said, if you asked them yesterday, I don't think USC and UCLA would have been suspected to join the Big Ten. So, Yeah, yeah. So I, there's, would, there's I would imagine that everything is in flux. Yeah, that's a lot of it's a fluid situation. I think what he's probably referring to is that they're not going to be joining them tonight is probably the better way to to talk about it. And uh, I think that's it. That is it. And to my understanding, there's a financial implication that kicks in tomorrow. That is true Uh, that apparently um, it locks in. Uh, if they were to break away starting tomorrow, if this, if, if, if this announcement was made tomorrow, they'd have to pay a very, very high significant amount of money for the uh, media rights deal. But I mean, I think they still have to pay to leave the conference. So that money is still there. It's just the media. 
media to be like, clear, like if they were to leave the Big Ten media rights deal, which is rumored to be at about a billion dollars, would potentially offset a lot of that. So yeah. I would not consider that a mitigating factor for a team deciding to leave. Yeah, I mean, we had we held a Twitter Spaces today for Rifer Cal with a bunch of uh, writers and and you know readers and former players, current players, um, and you know Peter brought up the the pr- like just the financial benefit of it. Um, to to put it simply, like if we c- Peter compared us to Michigan State, right? Just in terms of like. Uh, athletic standing like what they've accomplished over the last five years ish in record is pretty similar to us and i think they he said the the financial comp difference between the two athletic programs was about 20 million dollars and that's before the new big 10 deal kicks in which if if that's the case yeah that's that's a lot of money yeah, I mean, basically, the Pac-12 has pocket twos, and the Big Ten has pocket aces. So yeah. you're kind of even even if there was a fee to pay, it's worth it's worth paying to take this next step into a bigger conference. But what if we had the third two? Like we'd have trips, but where does that third two come from? Um, Jim Knowlton's um, whiskey bottle in. Yeah. His, his oh, also, also fun, fun fact is, uh, I didn't know this, but apparently, uh, Apple TV Plus was willing to come back to the negotiating table, um, if the Big Ten were to pull in SC and UCLA. So now that's back on the table, which means now they have more leverage in their negotiating rights with Fox and the Big Ten Network, and now with Apple TV Plus as well. But Andy, that's the timeline. Give me uh give me your takes on on all this. I hope that my perspective is one that is maybe a little bit different just because of where I sit right now, which is firmly on the outside of being in the know. And I think I went through a little bit of a wave of emotions, but I don't know if my like total reaction to the information has completely changed, which is largely, I just don't care. (laughs) And I think like, I think I'm in the minority of at least those that are around my life, but a lot of people are looking for somebody to blame. And this is just sort of like, I, I think we get into this, we get into me like waxing poetic on, the world today. And it's like, it's so complicated. There's so many different pieces here, you know, just a few of them off the top of my head, you know, Larry Scott, the mediocrity of the PAC 12 over the last 10 years, the, uh, you know, the evolution of college football, the landscape of recruiting and the fact that most of the top tier talent has been going to the South over the last five, five years or so. The NIL deals don't play as much of a impact here, but it's still worth noting in just sort of what the changing landscape of college football is going to be. Fox, uh, ESPN, I think plays a major role in this and because of the relationship that ESPN built with sec. Uh, and, and you just have, uh, you, UCLA and USC, who I think are chasing chasing dollars. And at the end of the day, I think like 
I think my don't care is a little bit my it's like my defense mechanism of just mainly being like, damn, this sucks because this is the world of college football that we grew up with. Mm-hmm. You know, we grew up with rivalries. We grew up with this conference. We grew up with was it eight and then 10? I mean, originally it was 12. Four. I don't know if I remember the four days. Yeah, I was no, like generous we, with think, my yeah, I don't think inclusion we of eight. But it's sort of an end of an era and it makes zero sense logistically. You're like, you look at the map and you're like, this is the dumbest thing of all time. It's like the big 10 and it's like all these teams. And, and I do, I do wonder about the downstream impact on other, like non, you know, not basketball, not football, but like, what does this mean for baseball? What does this mean for UCLA baseball, which is one of the best baseball programs in the country? Well, I mean, UCLA has already mean announced. For... I mean, just a side note: like UCLA has already announced that women's, uh, I think, beach volleyball will not be continuing on. So that that team is just it's it, it's gone. It'll be gone come twenty twenty four. Well, to be clear, I think most Olympic sports are kind of they find their own arrangements for things like Cal, UCLA, USC, and Stanford are like the only schools that compete in water polo. Um, so they have their own conference. So I think what's going to happen is you're going to have to see a lot of these Olympic sports, like which have like specific areas and niches, will just branch out and form their own like small subdivisions of conferences. Yeah, I mean they they did say that Olympic sports would carry on. They would carry on. So I don't, I don't to what Iowa extent? Has like a robust swimming program, so I think there's going to be a lot more segmentation with regards to how those Olympic sports are. True. My, my question here would be why doesn't Ohio State and Michigan just form their own beach volleyball programs then? Like, can't they play? Because it's <laughs> like 25 degrees in the middle of winter. That's the joke. There. Why are you taking that away from me? That's the joke. That's the joke. But, anyways, I digress. Uh, Andy, continue with your points, please. No one knows. <laughs> All right. I, that's it. I. I would love to hear your thoughts as someone who's been watching as someone who's been paying attention. It's not that surprising. It's perfectly on brand. Okay. So fine. Let me finish with this. The NCAA is a trash organization. It's horribly led. And all of this, in my opinion, stems from the lack of leadership that the NCAA has shown in the last few years. With the reaction to the lawsuit where the NIL deal came into place and they threw their hands up and said, you guys decide and do whatever the hell you want to do. And they have no control over, in my opinion, or influence over the conferences. And so what you have is you just essentially have people that are making decisions and they're making decisions in isolation and it's not serving the greater body. And what you you also have is a playoff that doesn't actually represent the sport in a in an actual realistic way. So we have a playoff that is supporting the top. You have recruiting that's supporting the top. You have NAL that ultimately will serve the top universities. And you have a leadership body that's done absolutely nothing to prevent any of this from happening. And so ultimately, I think if you are going to point anger any direction, I think for me, it has to be at the NCAA just for sheer <clears throat> I like indignancy is that a word <laughs> like just and so I'm very very frustrated with them but you know at the end of the day that's sort of why I come back and I'm like 
we live in this world right now with college, specifically in college football, where the dynamic is just changing so rapidly. Um, and with that, I want to kick it over to you, Rob, to hear your thoughts. So this this announcement struck a real chord with me only because, you know me, I uh, Metris United's probably one of my top loves uh, and how much I watch them and, and support them and, and so on. But there came a point last year and, you know, if you're a soccer fan, you, you know of what happened, which was there was this announcement made by some of Europe, Europe's top clubs that they were going to join a, a super league, right? That they wouldn't play in the Champions League, which is purely merit-based, right? Or, yeah, it's it's based on what you do the following or the previous season. So most leagues have it set up where it's like either your top two or top three or top four teams that finish. They get to play in the Champions League the next season, which is the creme de la creme, the top teams from the previous year are playing in this grouped-out round-robin tournament and then in a double eliminate or a two-game elimination tournament up until the championship game. The prestige, the honor, you know, the fight to play for it, the financial benefits of playing in that, amazing. But there was this big money grab from a lot of these clubs that are now American-owned, right? And this this weird, I don't know, uh, dream or unawareness or whatever it is that they thought that the fans wanted all they want to see is the biggest clubs play against each other week in week out so it'd be the top 20 clubs in europe like just name brand wise and financial weight wise and they would just be playing in a tournament weekly and they would totally disregard the champions league and all that stood for and the whole merit-based process in it instead it was just this big money grab of hey these are the best players, usually in the best clubs, and you're just going to watch them play in and out for this random-ass trophy that we're just going to make out of thin air. Um, and then what happened was the fans of all these clubs protested. <laughs> they straight up protested at their home stadiums about this and not wanting their club to be a part of this because they understood that it was a pure money grab. And what happened? Clubs started to back out one by one because they realized the mutiny that they had on their hands. And so all these clubs started to leave, which led to just a couple clubs at the end staying in. And then their leagues, because they had no leverage, were like, all right, it's either the Super League or we're going to kick you out. So, of course, they had to to drop the whole Super League thing and just pay and go back into, into the system. That led to all of these clubs, including United, going back to their fans and be like, we're sorry. We made a grave mistake. We promise we'll be more transparent. Lots of people lost their jobs and lots of guys in management moved on and now like united is, is we have a brand new front office because all those guys were basically cut does that eliminate the problem because the problem probably came down from the glazer family which is the same owners of the tampa bay bucks um probably not it you know arsenal and stan cranky who who also owns the rams uh was that going to be the same probably not it's not going to change much in their eyes because either way they just scapegoated all these guys underneath that saying that they made those decisions, but clearly the owners were part of those decision that decision making process. Um, but all 
in a long roundabout way, the reason I tell that story is that's what reminds me of what's happening right now. Um, I think the the romance of college football is that regardless of which league or conference you're in, it's that perennial feeling of, oh, this year could be our year. Like it could be that freshman that, you know, just takes us to that next level. It could be that upset game against, you know, SC that we haven't beaten in 10 years. Like it's it's those types of moments that I think build college football. It builds college football fans. It builds a fandom. It builds a relationship to the program that you're supporting across the board. Like whether you support SC all the way down to Oregon State or Washington State, like as small of a fandom group it is or as large of a fan group it is, those are the moments that you support those teams for. But with this move and the purely looking at it, the financial motivation behind it, it just rips away all of that romance. It rips away just the reason we in, enjoyed collegiate athletics to begin with. I don't know how this affects basketball going going forward with like, you know, March Madness is what college basketball is all about. So who knows how, how that plays out. They're probably going to have to keep that somewhat together because of how much money that thing makes as a whole. Um, but like just from a college football standpoint, like, man, this just, it just totally erases, like, years and years and years and years worth of fandom, memories, just, yeah, just the pure, pure romance of it, just the unadulterated, like, just childlike romance of enjoying the purity of it. And that's that's kind of what we're going to lose here. Um, because this forever changes like the landscape. Like this doesn't just affect the Pac-12, right? This is now a team grab. You they like the Texas and Oklahoma moving to the SC, SEC thing, like was it was kind of like a it felt like a one-off. But the moment the Big Ten answered with this, now it's now it's the Wild West. Now it's free reign. Like every, everyone's going to try and jump ship. Everyone's going to try and get in on where they can get the most money. Everyone's going to try and make sure that they're not the ones that are left behind. And that's where we're at. Yep. Absolutely. In someone's, it's yeah, man. In in some ways, it's like <clears throat> it's like GME. Someone's going to be left holding yep. the damn stock at yep. the end of the day, and. You just don't want to be the last one holding. Mm-hmm. Those are some pretty good thoughts. I mean, I love the the tie back to what happened with the Super League. I didn't. I did kind of try and search with that. You know, obviously without 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 a Twitter account, it's kind of hard. But I was trying to like get a gauge for where fan bases were at, and it did sort of seem like. Oh no! Yeah, they saw, straight up protested in front of not on, not even on a game day, just during during a weekday, middle of COVID, out there in full force. No, oh, oh yeah, that was that was crazy. But did you see the same thing with UCLA and USC fans? I I don't know. I I I didn't check the the SC fan base or like like that's it's. I don't know. I don't want to say that they're impassionate, but like I don't think fans as a whole have as much power here in this situation as much as they did for like the that european football situation like 
the only time I've seen this work is remember when Tennessee who did Tennessee hire? Uh like it was rumored that they were hiring someone and then their, their entire like a bunch was, of their uh, fans. Shiano. Rutgers head coach. Oh, was it Shiano? Yeah, it was Shiano. Yeah. And then a bunch of their fans went to like the football uh stadium or the eighties house or something and they were protesting and he had to back away from that deal. Like that's the only time I've seen that work. But like if you if we want I mean, honestly speaking, like if you want this to like be overturned and, and come back at this point, it's not happening because they've already they've already signed the papers and that it's all happening. But like it needs to be a coordinated effort. I should also realize like, that like when it comes to the, to the dynamics between European soccer and college football, like European soccer is very much like grounds up, whereas with college football is very much based on what the rich donors think. Like the Phil Knights, uh, with UCLA, the Wassermans, with USC, basically any of the old school guard from the 70s and the 80s, the guys who won national championships, um, and any of the big level donors. It's the rich people who count. And I think we've been accelerating toward this for a while, where college football has become a matter of who has the money and who doesn't have the money. Um and this is honestly, I mean, we can point to a lot of things with regards to like how the NFL siphons off its, its uh, talent development to college football so that they don't have to pay for labor, that college football doesn't play their athletes for decades. Um, but with regards to the Pac-12 and their own situation, this comes down to um, the failure of the Pac-12 network, the incompetence and the sort of nearsightedness of the athletic directors and the UC president, the, the, the Pac-12 presidents um, prioritizing short-term revenue and Olympic sports over the health of their football programs and the need to adapt to the TV and uh, arms race of college football. And you can see it. You can see it. The, the Big Ten and the SEC have far accelerated beyond all the other conferences. In terms of revenue, in terms of stature, in terms of bowl representation, um, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State, uh, Wisconsin, like these programs are always in the mix for being in the top five, the top eight. The Pac-12 has sent two programs in the last decade to the playoff. And this is always going to happen because of the lack of exposure the inability to work with ESPN and Fox and the, the nature of the business. The Pac-12 tried to do its own thing. Um, they were not successful. They never backed down from that statement. And eventually the Big Ten and the SEC accelerated beyond all the other conferences. So what you have is now these two tiers of the Power Five kind of if moving in their own directions. And USC and UCLA sacrificed a lot to make the Pac-12 happen. Like, they sacrificed um, the amount of revenue they could generate from being in their own markets. Los Angeles is much bigger than, like, almost any other Pac-12 market. It's larger than maybe New only, other only New York and Chicago are close um, in terms of media share and TV revenue. So we were, he we were heading down this road at some point. But the failure of the Pac-12 network, the failure of the Pac-12 presidents got us to this point quicker 
and now we're dealing with the ramifications now where it's every it's every conference and every university for itself let me ask you this do you put some of the blame here also on george k because i never say his last name Klyavkov. Klyavkov. <laughs> Avi? Um, it's hard to say because he's been here for like eight months. Um, so I don't know exactly what he's done. It's kind of like... It's kind of like um, when Cal hired... Um, you know, when Cal made a lot of decisions when they didn't have an athletic director, right? When... Williams was kind of the director and we were starting to make all these very strange decisions as a football program um, with regards to football and basketball. Um, I didn't really know who to blame or talk to. Like, I don't really know what George K has done or Klifikoff has done to really like kind of justify, like put a, parsing out blame. I can blame Larry Scott for being bad at his job. Um, but really I like, a, I look at the university presidents and the, um, you know, the, the guys who have been in charge for a long time, um, like Dan Guerrero, um, Ray Smith at um, ASU, um, the Oregon State president, the guys who really supported, like, the idea of, like, the Pac-12 owning their own revenue, uh, making sure that they had their own network, so they felt like there was a long-term impact. Um, but it was all pie-in-the-sky stuff. Like, it never really materialized to anything. Um, and never really being practical and realistic about the the college football arms race and that college football was the place where the revenue was being made um so i kind of i kind of lay the blame there and also obviously the pac-12 was kind of in a lull after like decades of kind of not really taking their football program seriously outside of usc and this has kind of been you know, we, we talk about like how Cal has kind of like suffered from decades of um, apathy and incompetence and neglect toward their programs. It's the same thing is true of like most of the Pac-10. So we, we've kind of been building up to this point for a while where the rest of the, co- the, rest of the college football teams have kind of understood that this is, this is where things are going, particularly in the Big Ten and particularly in the SEC. And now those conferences are thriving because they understood the landscape and the Pac-12 was always thinking like, we have like, we're the conference of champions. Like we have all these Olympic sports that matter, but they make no revenue and they don't make a ton of sense in the, in like a, like they, there's still this like outdated notion that like having like all these national championships was going to amount to a hill of beans. Um, and UCLA and UCLA, USC recognized that they were like, we're not going to we're not going to survive. We're going to be left behind in the arms race if we do not make furtive moves right now to be part of part of that calculus. And the Big Ten was the right move for them. Silence. It's, it's basically what this that just perfectly encapsulates like the entire situation right now. Like outside of. USC and UCLA fans or, you know, uh, third-party fans, like, or if you're already in the Big Ten or the SEC or, like, you, you're just, like, you're on the safe ship. Like, you're on, you're, 
like you know it's the zombie apocalypse coming and they're already on the other side of the gate right and we're the guys that are scrambling towards the gate and like asking them to leave it open just for a little bit like just so we can cross the last hundred feet you know into into the green zone and into safety like and they're just like staring at us some are laughing at us some are like cheering us on to hopefully get into that you know the safe zone and but like that's kind of where we're at right now like as i said like it's it's an arms race now like and who knows where we land and that's the scary part for me like that's why i feel like i don't know if negative is the right word but like just just overall where i'm at the fear of the the worst case scenario or anything that leans into that area is very bleak like if i or if you're making up a spectrum right of like everything that could possibly happen to the califex program like best case all the way to very worst case i would say like the worst case scenarios probably make up about what like 60 percent i think the best case scenarios probably make up about 40 like i think there's more bad case like possibilities in like our like you know if dr strange was sitting here and he went through all million of our like future possibilities you know six hundred thousand of them i think would be would be negative outcomes like overall negative outcomes so that's just where that's just where i stand like you know in our twitter spaces today like steve steve croner uh made some great points about you know we might be fantasizing about like why wouldn't they want to take cal and stanford like it makes so much sense to our eyes yeah but like from their perspective like they've already won the la market they really want the bay area market too is that a necessity for them like would it would they rather steal from somewhere else like is there any is there somewhere else that they would rather tap into like would they rather go into you know houston or maybe the texas market and get a foothold into there um like i'm i'm sorry but like oregon as a school great uh football program great but like as a media market like eugene like not that high on their list um, and someone uh, said that I in think the, Oregon is probably next up. Oregon well, I, I mean, someone said that on the Twitter spaces, though. They were like, you take away Phil Knight and Nike from Oregon. Like, do you really do you really have anything enticing from them? Well, yeah, go, but yeah, you, can't, you can't do that. You can't. No, I'm, and I'm, I'm I think Oregon's the next domino to fall. I think Oregon's the next one to either join the SEC or, or join the Big Ten. Um, I think that's there. But like, I think there's a bit of there's. I don't know how much or where I can place my realistic view and where I can place a little bit of like the optimistic view in terms of where we fall on the totem pole. To be fair, Oregon does own the Portland market, which is, I wouldn't say like a, a huge market, but like top 20, top yeah. 25. Oh, I, I mean, what I should clarify what Steve was saying was that the Bay Area isn't a high collegiate sports market. Like it's a high sports market, but it's not it collegiate sports in the Bay Area doesn't isn't high on the the list. Like there are if I were to like even rank the sports, like there are other sports that are higher up on the list than collegiate football. Definitely. Yeah. We're not that high. (laughs) Yeah, but I I mean that is that is a true point, and I think Steve is correct that like Cal is not like the cream of the crop, and even if Cal is good, we're definitely like probably still like fourth or fifth in the hierarchy um but the market share is still 
significantly higher. Like Cal, Cal is, I think, probably like in the top 20 in terms of undergrads produced, in terms of like the number of alumni they have. So even like in a down year, I think we're still fifth in TV revenue in the Pac-12. Like we still compare to Utah who won the Pac-12 title. Like just the size of the university itself and the the set of alumni it attracts will still always attract um, a significant level of in TV interest. And then there are others. There are other like factors. Out. I'm not gonna get into the academic stuff because that's that explains itself. Um, and we can talk about that later. But the Bay Area is still like a top twenty recruiting market. Like Notre Dame recruits here. Um, Oklahoma recruits here. Alabama recruits here. A lot of national powers have come into the big Pac-12 and come into the Bay Area and have taken prospects that, you know, Andy, Rob, you and I have been like, why isn't Najee Harris coming to Cal? Why isn't, um, you know, Joe Mixon coming to Cal? Like, why are these guys who are, like, local to the area, five-star prospects coming to Cal? It's because, like, these national playoff contenders come into the conference and they recruit here. So... I don't see any reason why the Big Ten wouldn't be like, why can't I get into the Bay Area and start recruiting all this elite talent that is just waiting to be discovered? Like Oregon, Washington, a lot of Pac-12 powers have come in and carved out this market and tried to make inroads. The Big Ten would obviously love to have that sort of talent inroad as well. Um, and especially like not Michigan and Ohio State because they're set. They, they can get their national recruits. But it, like imagine like, like Big Ten West powers like Iowa and Minnesota who are trying to get out of this like big style of sluggish football. Like wouldn't it be cool to get like skill talent? Like in this last cycle we had who was the running back who uh recruited we were trying to recruit from the Midwest who who decommitted and then recommitted to the uh, to Iowa, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name. Yeah, so we've had like we we try to go in the Midwest and recruit guys because we've had trouble recruiting the Bay Area, so I can imagine that there would be some sort of skill transfer that would be useful to upgrade the Big Ten's ability to not just compete um, school by school, but you know, be able to have the skill levels to compete with the SEC at some level. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of fear in Cal being left behind. I just don't see that. There's two things. One, I don't see Cal being left behind as far as the conference goes, where we stand, 
how we're looked at, uh, the national brand, everything Avi you mentioned, I think I think was spot on. The other thing is, I don't think the Pac-12 is just going to disappear. You're talking about, you know, what a a conference that is generating hundreds of millions of dollars for something like that to just collapse on itself and then just outright disappear and be completely dysfunctional is supremely unlikely. Uh, it's just not how. It's just not what happens. It's not crypto. It just doesn't disappear overnight. So, I think that we are in a position where yes, like it's obviously like we can consider worst case scenarios, but like realistically, I would bet that the Pac-12 it, it ultimately I think you're right. Like I think Oregon is in a linchpin type of situation where it's up to Oregon to decide, hey, do we want to stay in the Pac-12 and lead the Pac-12 and also have like a pretty solid path towards the Pac-12 championship and maybe a guaranteed spot in the playoff every single year and add in a, add in a San Diego state, add in a Fresno state, maybe add in a Boise state. Maybe I think Hawaii is somebody's dream that they get to go travel there. I don't think that's actually happening, but you know, I think that that is ultimately the decision that I, I would sort of look towards because Oregon, I think really views themselves as that blue blood program, Washington to an extent, but I think they've maybe with the last few years and Jimmy Lake has really hurt their brand a lot. So I kind of look at Oregon and say, like, what are they going to do? Because if Oregon sits here and, like, I think Phil Knight's influence is ridiculously big. Uh, you know, just having somebody like that, being behind a university, knowing that they want to go up against the very best, they want their brand, they want their, you know, they have arguably played the most interesting out-of-conference opponents of anybody in the Pac-12. So looking at what they do because if they say no we're going to stay in the pac 12 then i think everybody falls in line if oregon says yeah we're going to try and move into the big 10 as well then i think you'll see six teams move over something like that but i'd be surprised i mean oregon rob when you said oregon going to the sec i'm like oregon going into the southeastern conference (laughs) like just saying that out loud not abbreviating SEC. Hey, man, SEC. The SEC. Pacific Northwest School going into the Southeastern Conference. Like, it just doesn't make any logical sense. And we just start getting to this point where it's just so ridiculous. It's so dumb that it's worth rebranding everything. And then I think when you get to that point, somebody will have to step in and say, this is dumb. These conferences aren't working for the modern era of college football. Let's think about a different way of breaking this up. It, I mean, and so I think someone made the joke about like, we could call it the national f- f- yep. <laughs> football conference, the Atlantic football, conference. The American football. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Atlantic football conference. And, uh, they could play in <laughs> a game. <laughs> yep. So it's like, I think, you know, I, I ultimately wouldn't, I, I see that path as being very realistic here where it's just, everyone's just like, these conferences are so pointless. Like the, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. It's going to grow too big to a point where it, it it's not going to make like any sense whatsoever. Like at that point, it's like just we should just become multiple countries. <laughs> like go the European route, go multiple countries, and like you know, uh, have put in relegation. <laughs> like you get if you suck, you're in Division Two. 
And if you're great, you get to be in this like thing called the, you know, the the ultimate league or something. And that's like the creme de la creme where you play like, a, you know, an extra few games at the end of the season to see who's, who's the best. But like, like my counterpoint to what you were talking about, about like Oregon and, and where, where they'd want to be, where they'd, if they'd want to like lead or whatnot, like at this point, I don't think it matters if you want to lead or anything at all. I think it's it's a matter of saving your own ass first because Oregon, right? Let's I mean that's like the the easiest one to to point to. Like Oregon you you said like Oregon winning like the Pac-12 and getting to the playoff. I don't think there's a guarantee that Oregon gets to the playoffs even if they go undefeated in in this Pac-12 anymore. The strength of schedule isn't there anymore. You don't have an SC, you don't have a UCLA, and at and a San Diego State or a Boise State like doesn't make up for those types of that that name brand win. So like if that's the case, wouldn't I rather? And if I wanted to play against the best of the best and give me my best shot at that, wouldn't I want to join either the Big Ten or the SEC? And even if we medal out, like and get you know, let's say they go ten and two or eleven and one. That puts me in a better spot, as we've seen over the last few years, get to a college football playoff because of the whole strength of schedule crap. Um, but like, it's just weird. It's just weird to me because at for me, like I'm looking further down the line too. Like at that point, does a college football playoff like even exist or matter? Like if there's 20 teams on one side and another 20 teams in the SEC, like. Why does a college football playoff matter anymore? Like, why are we even have even having that discussion? Just the winners play each other, and we're back to a single game national championship. <laughs> like that's that's like it's the best teams out of the best teams that are going to be playing for the best championship trophy. <laughs> like that's that's ultimately like where this this is like really leading. So I I don't know. Maybe I'm just jaded about this whole situation. Well, but. we're probably headed to is like a kind of. Um a champions league situation or like a nfl wildcard situation where you have the big 10 and sec like the big powers like they get the first round buys because they have the toughest schedules and then everyone else plays like those round robins like all the whoever's left the big 12 and the acc um the the leftovers they'll play like maybe one or two games and they'll get like their opportunities um but yeah, it's basically we're we're at we're at tier systems where you're gonna have like tier one being like we played the toughest team, so therefore we get the biggest perks, and then tier two will be like they'll get like an opportunity to compete. So it, it kind of it kind of ends up like March Madness, but like tiered up since like obviously football can't work at the same level as basketball. Um, so they'll get an opportunity, but it won't be as fortuitous. Um, with regards to Oregon, I think. I think I think what I think the USC and USCLA have taken the first move, but I think what's eventually going to happen is they're going to realize logistically it doesn't make a ton of sense to be their own island inside this giant conference, and they're going to eventually start pushing for a lot of these West Coast teams to join as well. Um, because I don't think UCLA and USC want to sacrifice the California rivalries because it's, they're just too intertwined. Like there's just so much overlap between all of these systems. There's too much politics to let Cal, Cal and um, Stanford just go away. And there are actual politics that are blocking UCLA from just leaving. The UC Regents is just not going to let UCLA abandon Cal to ac- athletic ruin. 
So there's going to be a lot of mechanics that are going to be required for UCLA to just jump into the into the Big Ten on its own. Um, so there's going to be a lot of mechanics that are going to be required to make sure Cal gets its fair due and its fair day. Um, and obviously, we haven't even gotten to the Cal component, which is going to be its own section, but like the Bears are going to have to decide very soon, very quickly, and far faster than I think they want to, whether they want to be part of this future or they want to reconsider their whole model of like do they want to be in a competitive athletic program um but they also have the forcing function of being hundreds of millions of dollars in debt so they can't just be like i want to go ivy league because that's the way our whole athletic institutions are going they have to think about the financial ramifications of doing that because that impacts a lot of olympic sports to just abandon the football program to where it has to go. So I don't think, I think Cal's in a situation where they have to seek a conference that is financially feasible for them to continue to thrive um, for the sake of their athletic program, for the sake of their football program, for the sake of their Olympics programs, and to make sure that they're not like constantly in debt for the rest of the century. Yeah, I think, Oh, there's a lot there. I think that your point about, I think your point about UCLA and USC is is a really good one, in that they will pull for in-state. They won't want to have to make that big travel commitment every single year and make that commitment for non-revenue teams because it'll be very expensive. That doesn't make a ton of sense. Right, because like a lot of their Olympic sports, only the Pac-12 is like competitive in most of them, right? Like Washington doesn't have a water, like Iowa doesn't have a water polo program. Like that makes no sense for them to just like siphon off their most successful programs. Like USC and UCLA have won like 40 national championships in water polo and swimming and all these things. And they have a significant donor base. They're just not going to be like abandoning them. They got to make concessions to that group as well. Yeah, well said. And I think I'd say the same thing a little bit counter to what you're saying with Cal, where it's like Cal's, Cal's not going to get rid of their football program. We have way too many, way too strong of a donor base. We're also not going to put in any jeopardy our program, like our Olympic programs. Uh, the the donors behind our swimming program, water polo, you know, crew, all like it's just, you know, those, it, those programs are really healthy. I, I think. I think I look at this. I mean, I, Rob, I do want to revisit one thing. I hate to take us a little bit backwards, but I'm going to do it. You know what you said is like an Oregon team couldn't like couldn't go 12 and 0 in conference or 12 and 0 in their schedule overall and still get that bid. Then Cincinnati was in the playoff last year. Like, in Cincinnati's strength of schedule was, you know, it, it they did they got in over one win teams in stronger conferences. I don't think that that has to be how it's going to be. And I do look at the four, 14 playoff, like that shit is going to go away. It's going to go away because what it's done. It, I mean, it's part of the reason that it's upended everything because four teams and literally the same teams every single year for the most part are the ones that are in it. It's exceptionally top heavy. And 
that's why March Madness works. It's just so dumb. You have a perfect example of why it like why March Madness is special. And then you have what's happening in college football, which is like college basketball is far far more democratized than college football right now. Well, I mean in, in my opinion. I mean, but you could also argue that the sport in itself, like, there's a lot more margin for error, right? Like, talent disparity can be can be matched up a little bit more in basketball because you only have five guys on the court that play both offense and defense versus a 100-man roster where one team has athletes that are bound to play in the NFL versus another team that's like this is the pinnacle of their athletic career and like you know like that like i don't i don't i hate using that like that example but like that's just what it is that's why you just see so many more upsets in college basketball than you do in in football like you just a team gets hot from three like that's the easiest like analogy i can think of a team gets hot from three and then all of a sudden they're making a sweet 16 run right they just they're they're playing hot for a, a week and they're in the Sweet 16 versus how many times do you see like a mid-tier like program somehow get hot in football and like push their way up into like just a an unknown like level of performance that we didn't expect of them? Like it's far and few between. The other thing with Cincinnati oh, is like they use that as a stepping stone to join the Big 12 almost immediately. Like they were playing the game just like everyone else like yeah um, i mean my thing with cincinnati too would be I, I mean my my counterpoint to that counterpoint would just be that yeah in the previous system it made sense because there were more teams that had more losses and there's more conferences what i'm saying is a team like cincinnati probably isn't getting into the college football playoff anymore if there's like an sec with 20 teams and a big 10 with you know 24 teams and there's two teams out of there that are you know 12 and 1 right like if they decide to expand it like you're picking those teams just because of their strength of schedule because they happen to beat each other over a guy in a in a group of five team that's pretty much what it's going to be like that went undefeated it's the 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 ucf stuff like the year that ucf got shafted yeah and we but it's going to be that magnified yeah we think of thinking the nature of scheduling like if there's 20 teams in one conference, like only like 12 of them are going to play each other um, unless they expand the schedule by like a month. So you could have a feasible outcome where there's two 11 and one teams in one conference and you can make a justification that like, hey, the 11 and one team in one division, it's probably just as good as the 11 and one team in another division, but they haven't played each other because we don't have enough bandwidth for each of these teams to play each other. So those two teams get preferential treatment over a 12 and 0 Cincinnati um, that hasn't happened yet or hasn't happened a lot but it's happened a few times in the SEC because you know Alabama and Georgia have kind of tangoed a couple of times because they were clearly the two best teams in terms of talent and um, being able to just dominate the rest of their opposition in that conference and there were not enough teams in other conferences to challenge that and I just think that's going to happen more and more frequently with the the best teams in, consolidated in these two super conferences. And I just don't. I I mean, there will still be paths for ways for like you know a Texas like a Big Twelve team like Baylor or 
um, whatever's left of the Pac-10 um, in Oregon to potentially make the playoff. But with the eroding TV rights deals that are about to come up, like as a lot of people have speculated, SEC is basically the conference of ESPN. The Big Ten is the conference of Fox. There's not going to be much bandwidth for like these other conferences to be on TV anymore. Um, no one's going to like bid for like the Pac-12 rights. Like the Pac-12, the Pac-10 rights are dead now. Like that was the big part of the TV deal was like USC is getting Lincoln Riley. Chip Kelly is kind of bringing UCLA back. Oregon has this new program. Now that's kind of like dead because we don't have the Pac-10 doesn't have LA anymore. So you're going to have recruits being like, why would I stay in the Pac-10? I could just join UC or UCLA or I just go to the SEC and be on TV every week. Um, and that's what eroded the Pac-12 the last decade. Like not being on TV destroyed the the reputation of this conference and able to recruit top talent. And I don't see a path forward for whatever the whatever's left of the Pac-10, whatever's left of the Big 12 to compete with the these two conferences eating up the majority of the TV bandwidth. And that's just going to be the, the reality of things. Yeah, maybe the only big, big move I could really see is going to the ACC and being like, we need to make something happen. I mean, but I, I think, at, but I think at this point that's already too late. Like if if S if SC no. and LA are, are like have had this talk with with Fox and the and the Big Ten, like I honestly would be very surprised if like Clemson and and some of the bigger named ACC schools haven't had those conversations already as well, like with either the SEC or the Big Ten. I'd be very surprised. Uh, like. Yeah, it's uh, need needlessly pessimistic, Rob. Like, I I'm not I'm I mean if I'm thinking of this like just as like corporate America and like all of these all of these programs like it's it's all about the money right at this point that's that's basically what this is all about and maintaining some level of profit um, for said university. Like, why wouldn't you be having those conversations? Like, you you it's. At this point, like if you know everyone else is having the, those conversations, it's not it's not really smart financially to be like we're gonna take the high road and not have these conversations with these other conferences. Like it, it's just that's just how it is in this in this marketplace, and that's why like I don't want to I don't want to only come off as pessimistic, but like I'm just being like realistic. Just if you know how these types of deals and programs and just how the free market works. I just don't I mean yeah I I think that there there isn't the sense like there's a finality in that of this being a done deal and I think that it's far from it you're still in the nascent stages of what this is four teams have moved four right we're in we're in the baby the baby stage here so it's not look I'm not saying that it's not gonna go that direction but I'm not also going to sit here and say that this is a guarantee and that it's for sure going to be these two mega conferences and everyone's going to have to bow down. It's just, it's just not realistic. Like we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. You're talking about somebody that is leading the PAC 12 right now, like to go all the way back and tie it back. 
where you have someone that the to to obvi to what obvi said at the very beginning which was focusing in on uh you know pac 12 pac 12 didn't focus enough on media pac 12 didn't understand that football was driving their revenue like we can use cal as a micro example of somebody that mike williams of all people said that cal drives our fo- drives all of our revenue starts with football and he took shit for that he took a lot of he took heat for saying that that football drives everything flows down from football right that was the mike williams era then clearly somebody at the pac 12 larry scott's gone and then they bring in somebody from a media background i mean these things it's not like people aren't in positions of influence that have foresight and understand what's happening here which means that for the same reason the last time this happened texas and oklahoma went to the sec all of a sudden an alliance was formed immediately after to try and protect from this happening this part of it was clearly a surprise to those people. So now they're going to react react to that information. I wouldn't be surprised to see there's still big brand names that exist in the, in the ACC. I mean, like Duke is a tremendous name. UNC is a big name. Clemson's a big name. Florida state's a big name. Like Virginia tech is pretty, pretty solid brand. Like there's a still an opportunity here where it just doesn't have to be this idea of it's like one or the other. I understand that this is where the media is at, but we're also in a different era of what media looks like. NBC has not really stepped into this as much as they could. And if they wanted to, they have the absolute means in the platform to do so. You've already mentioned Apple TV Plus that could do that. And you have Paramount that could come in and do the same thing as well with CBS and run everything on Paramount Plus. You have a, a much more broad media market than was once there three, four years ago because of the fact of that I can go and choose what I want to subscribe to. It may not have the same amount of money that ESPN has or the same amount of money that Fox has, but you still have different opportunities that exist. And I just, so I just want to hold off before we just write this thing as dead and like, see you later. Well, I mean, to go off that point, like the reason the reason I feel this way is because one, like, so we're gonna have to renegotiate those TV deals, right, for the Pac-12. With SC and LA gone, we're, we don't have the leverage anymore. Like we don't we we're not selling into the LA market anymore. So that's already gone off the West Coast, which is probably the number one market in America. To be fair, um, this the second part about that. I think Peter said this in the spaces, right? The new Big Big Ten deal nets a university, like just from the TV deal alone, I think what, 71 million is what he said per year, just from the media TV rights alone. Pac-12, I think he said what? Cal got 20, 21 million um, this past fiscal year or the past fiscal year. So that's a $50 million disparity, right? There's no way we're... we're getting anywhere close to 70 million with just the current pack 10 members in that, in that next media cycle. So once again, harkening back to free market and trying to maximize your profits. If you're one of the top tier schools, that's that are still left here, right? Whether it be us or Stanford or, or, uh, or Oregon or Washington, like in terms of the media market and the money that you can probably leverage just because of the market that you're in, you're looking at that and going, 
yeah, we're going to try and get that. Like it's, it's just smart financially. Like there's, there's no leverage here now left in the pac 12 to be able to pull anywhere near, like we're in the B, B tier now, like just that LA market loss alone. Like, honestly, it just puts us in a, in a B tier conference in terms of the money that we can pull financially. Um, so if that's the case, like, yeah, you're not only just for the competition's sake, but just for the health of the athletic department and the money that your TV deal alone is bringing in. Like, yeah, you have you have to make that move. Like, if I'm the AD and I get that offer in, like, like, and I'm, I'm Cal and I know I'm sitting in budget, like a budget deficit, like, I'm not going to, I can't stand on that hill being like, no, we're going to stay in the Pac-12 because this is where our heritage is at. When I know we have, we're $100 million in debt, and they can offer us seventy mil a year, just in t- an extra fifty mil in profit, just for being on their TV network. Yeah, just to piggyback off that, I think Andy make a good point that nothing is set in stone, and I don't think we should just say like it's going to be Big Ten and SEC. You're correct; like there's still a lot of brands that are out there in the ACC and the Pac-12, um, less so in the Big Twelve, but there there are brands out there. Um, that could definitely consolidate and create this middle tier. I think the problem is like the Big Ten is kind of like so the SEC has like the football like history and like heritage and all that jazz and all that nonsense that like kind of puts them at like one level. What the Big Ten does has done that is strategically smart is they prioritize market share. Like they added Rutgers in Maryland. Um, a few decades ago, which everyone laughed at, but it was a smart move because they consolidated the New York and the Washington, D.C. markets, which increased the footprint of the Big Ten network. So they were able to increase their TV revenue. Um, Their partnership with Fox allowed them to kind of um, increase it at a level that kept them on a level playing field or like almost a level playing field with the SEC, despite the amount of investment um, ESPN was putting into the SEC, somehow the Big Ten was able to maintain that sort of level. Um, and the Pac-12 and the Big 12 and the ACC have just not been able to maintain that. Um, and the Big Ten rightly assumed that as adding USC and UCLA would, once they reached out, they were like, yeah, duh, like they're the, the second or third largest market in the country. We have to add them. Um, and now you have like a national footprint. You're a national conference. Like you're more national than the SEC. You can offset whatever the SEC has in terms of their footprint. So, like when you're thinking from a Cal and Stanford perspective, like you're a large media market. Like it obviously makes no sense for you to join the SEC. You don't fit in any way at all. Um, the Big Twelve makes no sense because I don't know what you gain from like being in there like you could argue that like it'd be fun to be in the pack 10 because like with just oregon like if you just upset oregon like you have an easier path to the rose bowl um if that still exists <laughs> like i don't know exactly what the future of the rose bowl is we haven't even talked about that mm-hmm. but like the tv revenue is just not going to add up like as we've talked about there's just not a lot of TV revenue for Cal and Stanford when they're like middling. So if, even if they're good, like you can't like make up the loss of those two partners, like 
the whole reason the Pac-12 was founded and joined was like they realized that like if you don't keep USC and UCLA in the conference, like the Pac-10 is not going to survive. Like you need to have Colorado and Utah, and they tried to get Texas and Oklahoma, but that fell apart um, to try and become a national power, and they've just kind of been like in purgatory, just like holding on. But USC and UCLA realized like. And I think Oregon is going to realize and Washington is going to realize like there are other options out there that are better for you nationally. Like you can't just you can't just hold still with a conference that has refused refused to adapt and is slow to adapt and hope to survive. You're just going to get a you're just going to get like left aside and like be on the respirator for decades, just hoping someone pulls the plug. Like the, I think that the, the thing to add on to that for me is like, it's the timing issue now, because SC and LA are gone in twenty twenty four. Like we we know that, our our media rights deals kicks back in in twenty twenty. Like it it ends in twenty twenty four, which means they're going to start the negotiation process over the next year and a half, right? If that's all the case. Like, we can't sit back and just watch and see how this all unfolds first. I don't, I, I just don't think that's the smart way to play this at all. Like, just, yeah, that's, I just, like, so can I, I'll be, I'll be totally like, I don't know, contrarian is not the right word, um, but, I'm just going to look at the big picture, right? Like, what what is the goal of us, like, rooting for said team, said program, and whatever? Like, what what is the ultimate, like, goal we want our football team to achieve? Like, in my mind, like, the, the pie in the sky, the, 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 the pinnacle of it is to win a national championship, right? Like, that's how unattainable that is doesn't matter. Like, what I'm saying is, like, that's that's the goal that every single probably, like, fan – is wanting their program to reach. Now, if we if we don't adapt and move on to like whatever it is, and let's say we get left behind and these two power conferences or whatever or three power conferences like take off, what's the point of us rooting for said program? Cuz we're never that 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 like at the very end of like all the stars are lining and like we get like, you know, the recruiting classes of our dreams and we get to that point that no longer can happen ever. Like it's legitimately like out of reach, out of reach. I'm not saying that it's in reach right now, but like at least right now where we were the, the old system like allowed us to like potentially dream about that. Right. At some point, maybe we can get there at some point. Because it allowed somewhat of parity across the board. But if we're not jumping into that ship right now, like we can't even, that's not even a possibility. That's like, that's, it's, it's not going to happen. So like, that's for me, that's why, that's the, that's the scary part for me, I guess, is like the fear of like us losing what we're able to dream about now. Like, that's my biggest fear for all this, all this happening. Like we, we basically become like a division 1.5. Like we're not division one of football. That's like the two powerhouse, you know, divisions in the sec and the big 10, but we're not really FCS. Like, you know, we're not there. 
but we're just constantly in this middling thing of like yeah we're playing seasons and we're generating money but like we're not really playing for anything we don't there's no real pie in the sky dream it's just we're just continuing for the sake of continuing to generate the money like well it's gonna be part of that if we join the big 10 like we're doing it for revenue like right but i mean yeah of course but i'm saying like at least that move continues that that dream and that process at least in my mind well i mean it could i mean i know andy's argument where it's just gonna be like it's gonna be much easier for cal to compete in the pac 10 than it will be in the big 10 west whatever and traveling to iowa and (laughs) the big 10 pacific region or wherever um so i understand where andy's coming from that's gonna be tougher to win anything if and then that arrangement now if we've got a bunch of pack schools to join the big 10 then that calculus changes but then there's a danger of becoming the rutgers pack 12 right like if we because in this arrangement like uh, we haven't gotten to the mechanics but like i feel like oregon state and washington state are going to be in big trouble they're they just don't have the the mm-hmm. profile that the big 10 wants and those the schools we generally um rely on as a buffer from being like the worst team in the north um so that is going to go away like we are going to be basically with stanford kind of trying to avoid the seller of the conference um because usc ucla oregon washington these are programs the conference the big 10 definitely wants um and cal and stanford are probably on that next tier as to whether they want to test out the bay area and get that academic um the academic mm-hmm. yeah. um standards that like those conferences said and the research money and all the things that come with having the two probably best like power five academic programs yeah i mean we, right. we talk about the scare for us but like you know if we want to take a step back like genuinely like there's going to be some some program and like departments in our conference that are like damn i don't know if we can maintain like playing at a like a power five level if we don't you know have that money coming in and they're not in a position to to move or or demand any of that like we're lucky because we can constantly point to the hey we're in the bay area wouldn't you want to dip into our market and like you know hang our hat and lean into that and be like hopefully they want the bay area market and they want that money in silicon valley and they want the youtube tv and and whatever it may be but like there's going to be teams that are just as andy said like they're going to be left behind, but with not because they chose to stay behind. Like, it's just they, they were. It's just, it's like, just that's just how all the cards fell. I think, Rob, to, to both of those points, well, to what you said earlier. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I, I honestly, like, I wonder if your dream is a little unrealistic. Like, and I, I have been struggling with that myself, like going into each Cal season saying that we have a chance. But like, when you actually look at the system and you look at the way the system works, 
and everything that Avi has said, there isn't actually a chance. When you talk about parity, there's no parity in college football. College football might be one of the least like parity-filled sports that I pay attention to outside of tennis. I can't think of anyone where the same people just are always at the top. Always. No, you're right. Every year. And I, I just don't think in its current form, parity really exists in college football to to the degree in which you you the, the framing of that has to be a national championship. Obviously, there's parity in conference winners and yeah. stuff like that. But just when it comes to a national championship, it's, it's very, very predictable. I just want to beat Arizona. And... <laughs> Just, just, just beat Arizona, man. That's all I want. Who? I, Sometime. Yeah. I have another joke to make, but I'll make it later. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think, like, if the – you guys make a, a very compelling case around and – I, and I do think, like, look, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, yeah, like, if the Rose Bowl, for whatever reason, stays with the conference and then – UCLA and USA leave like yeah like Cal has a much better chance of getting the Rose Bowl but like far fewer people will care about that <laughs> yeah, it doesn't mean uh, as much it doesn't mean as much and you definitely want to be playing where it means the most and yeah I think that you're right like Oregon State Washington State Colorado even Utah to a degree Utah is a damn good program but it's like you know it's like Boise State was still sitting on the outside of the Big 12, and they have a damn good program too. You know, it's it's uh, it's hard to imagine. And, and then like Arizona and Arizona State saw that they're they were projected to go to the Big 12, and that's basically going into a conference of, as you're saying, it's just somewhat irrelevant. It's like a Division One B. Yeah. So I understand what you're saying. Like you have, you want to play, you want to be in that top level. I just think there's a lot, there's still a lot left in order to get us there. But, you know, it's very well could be that, hey, it's just like the dominoes, you know, dominoes are going to fall that way. But I do think it's like Oregon and Washington, all eyes on them. And I and I still think like I don't know if you guys feel this way. I have this sneaking suspicion that there's some communication going on between Cal and UCLA that we don't know about. Yeah, it's, well, it's I mean, like what the too- hell did you just do? What is wrong with you fools? <laughs> but I don't think they could, they could operate that separately. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, and that's what Avi was thinking. The Twitter Spaces was about like the UC Regents are going to have to sign off on this at some point. And there's going to be this discussion of, like, just us, where we stand, and like the whole UC system as a whole, um, and like what what direction that takes it. Because like, sure, they get the the money influx, but their operational costs also skyrockets. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. so UCLA yeah. has I mean, significant think- athletic debt as well. Like, I know we talk about the Cal athletic debt, but UCLA reported like a very high athletic debt last year, and it's not going away. Yeah, they were actually in the red. We were actually like in the black, right? Like we weren't we weren't making profit, but we weren't like we weren't adding to our debt. Yeah, because the university stepped in and provided yeah. some financial service. Whereas UCLA, I think, is still we in also red. changed. Yeah, we changed the way that we calculate our finances. Yeah, but with UCLA, I think that in if I were to guess, 
that there must have been some form of communication from UCLA to Cal that said, we're going to do this. It doesn't sound like that. It didn't sound like that happened at all. Like everyone was really? caught by surprise. It sounded like everyone was blindsided yeah. by this. I don't think there's a single person that wasn't. Like, yeah, UCLA acted pretty unilaterally in this decision, which is, I think, the most shocking part of all this. Like the thing that kept USC and from and UCLA from leaving in the past was the fact that this was going to send shockwaves to UC Berkeley, because UC Berkeley has like been the flagship program of like the University of yeah. California and. That's not going to change. UCLA doing this causes so many ramifications because basically all their all the decisions from a political and a bureaucratic perspective are intertwined. So UCLA making this decision, it's not as easy. It's going to be easy for USC to leave and go to the Big Ten. It's not the case for UCLA. There's going to be a lot of dealing in Sacramento, in the UC Regents. How is UC Berkeley, how is Cal going to avoid a huge athletic um, crisis? Because they're going to be left, if, if like Cal, the two, the, I'm going to say like right now, 5 to 10% chance Cal is left in the wind. Like there's going to be hell to pay. There's going to be so many people in high positions who are going to be pissed at UCLA for just leaving one of the top, one of the top, the, the flagship university of the state in the lurch. And yeah, I mean, there's, there's just going to be, it's going to be really fascinating to see like these next couple of years before UCLA joins the, the big 10, because I cannot see a situation where Cal doesn't join them or Cal finds some situation that is just as favorable for them because there's no way UCLA can do this and leave Cal and Lurch without some sort of negotiation or potential like um, deal that's favorable to them. The most hilarious part for me of all this is like if they get to that Regents meeting and the Regents are like, you're not leaving unless you take Cal with you like that. That's like, like just financially, like it doesn't make sense unless you take them with you. And it, I made, I was talking to someone yesterday or today about this. And uh, I made like the analogy of like, this is like, if you're an older brother to, or you have a younger sibling yeah. and your mom telling you like your younger brother, younger sisters, like going out to a party, like you have to go with them. And like, in a weird way, we don't want to go, but at the same time, we, kind of do want to go <laughs> and it's like this oh fine but then we have a good time ourselves like it's a it's a very weird place to be in like and i don't want to give if this actually falls like and happens that way like i don't want to give ucla any credit for helping us yeah. get into it but no, like it us. is still weird like they didn't talk with us at all like they made this decision on their own and we're gonna have to pay a financial penalty for leaving the pac-12 eventually that ucla and usc are gonna avoid yep so like they might, we might eventually get to get out because, like, of the politics, but they didn't do us any favors. This is true. I I agree though. They they've always had the baby baby bear, you know, baby brewing type vibe, and any association of them like us being kind of dragged along, and especially because they've been marginally better than us. <laughs> like it's not even like they've been that good it's been marginally better than us uh, in the last five years it's like it's frustrating well other than basketball which nick brought up a good point 
<laughs> where he was like, at least uh, we were talking about Northwestern. And he was like, ah, two programs where both athletic departments do not care about their men's basketball program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're definitely Northwestern West. Uh, so in terms- I think the Northwestern Cal games every year would be the best, it the was, best entertainment. of. I had that thought in my mind, too, when like people were talking on the Twitter spaces about like, uh, this was all Fox is doing, like, just you know, the TV network Fox. But in my mind, I just, I just, Mark just kept Fox. thinking of Mark Fox, like somehow coercing USC and UCLA to leave the conference. <laughs> because hey, hey, if they leave, if they leave, then we could potentially jump two spaces higher. <laughs> I was promised we weren't talking about Mark Fox on here. Um... Instead of finishing eleventh, we'll finish eighth. So I mean, I mean, it was all just—it was all the public transportation's fault. That's what <laughs> uh, the fans that wouldn't take public transportation's fault. So we haven't gotten to the Cal part of this discussion, yeah, um, because now this is all on Jim Knowlton to figure out what to do next. Yes, which is, you know, really the really the person I want to turn to in a time of crisis and leadership <laughs> um, is a man who has never led a major athletic program in any major decision whatsoever. Um, he has a couple of options and he could stay in the pack and try and write it out. He has the option of trying to negotiate hard to get into the big 10 as soon as possible. There's the big 12. And then there's the option of going mid major, which would be stupid, but who knows? I don't know. I don't know. And then there's the fifth nuclear option, which is, do we want to keep football as a sport? I'm curious as to what your guys' thoughts are in terms of what he should do and also what he probably will do. I can go first here. I think it won't be five because five isn't a unilaterally Jim Knowlton decision. It can't be. And the amount of money that the university has invested into helping out the athletics department with Carol Christ as the chancellor, you can't do that in two years' time. It doesn't, it doesn't work out. Um, it's not it's not plausible at all. Like, why would you invest money into something and be like, you know what? Actually, it's not worth it. Like that much money. Like, you know, if I if I spent ten dollars on a Taco Bell meal and then realized halfway through it wasn't my order, I could toss it. Like, you know, cost benefit analysis. I'm like, all right, ten bucks, not that not that much for me. But it's a like, good analogy for how we treat Cal basketball. Exactly. But millions and millions of dollars, I think, is a very, very different story. Um, what Jim Knowlton should do is, honestly, he, honestly, he should call the Big Ten. Not that he should join the Big Ten, but at least figure out, like, okay, what are we getting in return if we join you guys? Like, not that we're even sure if the Big Ten wants us to join them, but just figure out, like, hey, what are what's What's the pros of joining you guys? Like how much would we help? And then get your guys to figure out like how much we would have to pay the conference to, to dip out of the conference um, and get that all sorted and, and, and see what the benefits and what the cons are. Um, I think staying in the conference doesn't really need much researching. Um, so that's what I would be doing over the next 24 to 48 hours. Just hammering all that out as much as possible. What will he do? What will he do? It's a very good question. Does anyone even know where he is right now? I think he's in Vegas um, drinking whiskey martinis. We don't know if he's actually drinking whiskey martinis, but I think we do know if he, he's in Vegas. Not 
not for like vacation purposes, but I think there's all, like a, I mean, I think all the athletic administrators are getting together in Vegas. Yeah, there's like, like a one, of our, guys there's is, like a one of our guys is there, and I think UCLA and USC approached the Big Ten there and made the decision to join the conference there. Yeah, I think there's like a big like backdoor yeah. alleys, backdoor. <laughs> yeah, they're meeting at the buffet at the Aria right now. Um, yeah, that sounds like a dangerous drinks conversation gone. <laughs> that all of a sudden, uh, it was like, wait, this is actually happening. Okay, cool. Can you imagine if it like Jeez. that's that's how it leaked? It's like they're having they're having lunch or drinks, and then some guy just happens to get the audio on a TikTok, <laughs> and then like that's that's just how we all found out. Oh, that'd be such a that'd be such a modern day problem to have. But uh, Andy, what what what's your thoughts on Navi's question? I I mean if. I'm just going to say I'm pretty surprised that Knowlton still has the job that he does okay. and because we haven't talked over anything related to Cal swimming and that's a t- the disaster. That that's that a two-hour episode. We're going to have to take deep therapy for that. <laughs> yeah, I need to sign up for a therapist if we're going to talk about that one. Yep. Betterhelp.com. Yep. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think Knowlton, if I... Just what should he like, do and what I will he do? Will he do? I think he's a stay type of guy. He strikes me as a stay type of guy. Really? And what should he do is what you've already said. Should I don't think he should just talk with Big Ten. I think he should talk with ACC. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Is, is there opportunities? And where does the best opportunity exist for Cal long-term, both competitively, financially, and ultimately for – to keep our programs intact with the full scope of the programs in mind. Uh, and yeah, I just don't, I mean, I just don't know. The email I got about Cal basketball has given me so little faith in any logical thinking that I just have a hard time feeling like he's going to nail the understanding of this situation and the implications that come with it. Andy, what's, what is this letter and why did it give you faith, less faith? <laughs> Let's not go into the really specifics. say it on air. Let's not go into the specifics. <laughs> Let's just say Andy sent an email to Knowlton about uh, his displeasure at how the basketball team has performed under the direction of Mark Fox and he got a reply email. That's 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 where we'll leave it. So Jim Nelson's reading your emails, so he's prioritizing he actually, response. I, I've actually found out that he replied to quite a bit of those emails. Like and they weren't they weren't just copy paste. Like they were actually personalized responses, which kudos to that man or his response team or whoever. Like just um they did <laughs> secretary. A, yeah, they did a real good job uh, at 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 doing all that. But like my counterpoint to Andy and like would be like if you look at Knowlton and how he's operated up until now, it's honestly been purely financial, like his decision-making processes. And even with the Fox thing, like he might package it in some other way, but honestly, it's a financial thing. Like you, you invested a five-year contract into him and to blow it after even one or two years, you have to invest, you have to go back to the donors and ask for this buyout money, which we clearly don't have because we were still paying the buyout for the previous coach that we fired. So if it if that's the financial decision, and like let's say after this season, like Mark Fox doesn't perform up to par again, and and we let him go, like that's because the buyout was lowered after another year, right? So if that's the case, if that's how he operates, I dare say that he might actually make the move 
if he if he if he looks at it and goes, all right, this actually might benefit the university long term because, as we were talking about earlier, like we get like a a three x boost in terms of profit just from income money off of TV. Like, if that's if that's the if that's the contract you're getting, like, I don't see why he wouldn't make that move. For his, even for his legacy, he'd be like. I increased the the cal the cal profit intake by three times by signing a single contract, <laughs> and I actually signed it with this time. I I do want to ask you guys, and I think it'd be good to wrap here. If you didn't have the financial impact, if you could just kind of make this decision in a vacuum, what would you do? In what in like how do you mean? Like just a football sense or like what? I'll give my answer first because I think it's controversial. So if you remove the financial implications from the situation, where would I want Cal to end up? I've had this thought more than once over the last few seasons, which is maybe we should like consider being more of a Mountain West type of team than a Power 5 type of team. And I see, like, I have friends that are that went to San Diego State. They root just as hard for the program as we do. And they have far more success. <laughs> you know, it's like they have far more success that they can point to. Uh, they go to a bowl game every year. They compete. They win bowl games. They upset teams when they play them out of conference. And that's sort of the reputation that they have. And so I think if you remove the financial aspect of it, you know, Cal playing in a down division or a down conference is not actually an option that I would be that all that opposed to because I think that we, if, and it goes back to what I was talking about before about just sort of where the landscape of college football today, Avi talking about how much talent exists in the Bay Area, and the ult- ultimately at the end of the day, the fact that we can't re- retain any of that talent or retain most of that talent and convince them to come to Cal. We've done pretty good of it. Like we're doing better, but you know, the, I think the point still stands when it comes to like the, you know, the top, top talent that, you know, was the players that we were able to convince the Marshawn Lynch, you know, Lynch's of the world that ended up deciding to come to Cal because it was a different time with where college football is. I think it would be an interesting thing to see Cal play in a less competitive conference Although just acknowledging this is an entire hypothetical because you can't remove the financial aspect from it. But I am curious to kind of get your thoughts on that. I, I just want to say like that point harkens back to what I was saying about like the whole, like what is the pie in the sky achievement that we want to get to? Like if we, if we remove that, right. I think absolutely. That's like staying in the pack 10 or whatever, or, you know, moving down a little bit into lower competition I think is absolutely the smart move. Like, like because we're in a power five conference for me, the ultimate, ultimate achievement goal is to, to win a national championship, right? Whether attainable or not. But like the moment you move into that type of, the moment you remove that and you come to terms with, okay, we're never going to do that. So what's the next best thing we can do is maximize profit, talent, like all of that. Is to drop down a tier and to just stay at the top of that. 
right? And so, like, that's what that's that's ultimately like full circle to what I was talking about was like that's you have to be able to adjust your your pipe dreams and like your your wants of coming from a power five university. And if that doesn't, if that's not removed, if you, if you're staying in that space, that's what I was saying. If you're, yeah, if you're staying in that mode, then you have to make the move to the big 10 or the sec or, or, or whatever it is to like stay with that top tier competition. But if that's not no longer your thing, like pull back, do what Avi says, call the Ivy league, see if they'll, they'll take on another school, like a academic school on the West coast. Like, I don't want to go that. But what I'm, uh, but you get what I'm saying, right? It, like you don't, you don't know, you no longer restrict yourself into like having to participate in like the the top tier and like the the anxiety that comes with it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, uh, well, I mean, I think Cal's in a fortunate position because unlike most of our peers, like we're kind of recession proof in terms of the fact that we have a brand, we have one of the. The big we're the we're UC Berkeley is considered one of the big six universities, right? Like it's not going anywhere. Like if we leave the Pac-12, um, if we don't, if like the athletic program folds, like UC Berkeley is still going to be around regardless of whatever happens or not. So with that in mind, I have an abundance mindset where I'm like, let's just keep going with it. Maybe one day we break through. Maybe we're unsuccessful for thirty years, but I mean, we haven't even mentioned Justin Wilcox once in the 97 minutes here. Like, we're like one Chase Garber's injury away from potentially winning the Pac-12 North. Like, we're not that far away from competing. Like, the Pac-12 has been weak for the last five to six years. And let's say, like, seven Pac-12 teams joined the Big Ten West. The Big Ten West is one of the weakest divisions in football. Like, it's not like we're, we're competing with Kirk Ferentz who wins his games with about the same number of points that Justin Wilcox wins his games. So it's not like we're joining this immense powerhouse. We're not going to be playing Ohio State and Michigan every year. We're going to be playing Nebraska and Iowa and um, I don't even know who's Purdue. I don't know who's in the West. Illinois. A lot of teams that are like basically at the same level we are. Like we're not playing – we're not going into the SEC South. We're not going into – the Big Ten East, we're playing, we'd be playing about the same level of talent we play now. So I don't really, I don't really prescribe to the fact, I do not want to go to the Mountain West. That would suck ass. I don't want to go to Fresno. I don't want to go to, to Boise. I don't want to go to all these places with the worst fans in the world who hate brown people and like, and like people from like different sets of like, my worst experiences, like, I've talked to Nam, who's like been with San Diego State fans. They were the worst people on the planet to him. Like, I just don't want to deal with that that mindset of just like football is everything. I'm gonna get drunk and then I'm gonna talk shit because I have nothing else in my life. Like, it's cool. It was cool to be in the Pac-12 <laughs> because most like fans like have other things going on, and I think the Big Ten is fairly similar. Nebraska fans are the friendliest people on earth. Iowa fans are pretty chill. Wisconsin, like Ohio State probably is is a little wild, but for the most part, like it's a cool set of fans to like be a part of. I would not mind being part of the Big Ten, and that's where I would feel like it's the best culture fit for us. So that's what I would want to do. Um and yeah, we might suck. It's possible we might suck, but it's not like it's any different. We go from like five and seven to four and eight. Like, do I care about that? Like, I just want to play Stanford and beat them. That's great. We beat them last year, it ruled. 
Uh, we beat USC last year. I like playing USC. I like playing UCLA. It'd be nice if we could keep on playing Oregon and Washington. And outside of that, I don't really care. Like, it'd be nice to play everyone else. It'd be nice to see the Pac-12 join us. But at the end of the day, like, like it's just, it's just fun to be around, like, people I know, people I associate with. Like, most of the people I know who I go to, like, um, who I work with, who I meet in the, in the city and, like, I, I connect with are from the major Pac-12 schools or the Big Ten schools, like so. I think it's a it's a natural fit for us to join if it, that is the end game. You do realize you're you're turning into our dear friend Twist and Hook, right? You're you're saying that college football is a social social experience for you. You're going to see your friends and and people you hang out with. I mean, if you want me to do it for the football, <laughs> I would have quit a long time ago or become a raging alcoholic. So. I mean, having been a Cal fan for almost 20 years, like there's no way I would have lasted this long if I was just focusing on the football. Um, or I'd be, I would be on Bear Insider right now talking about um, Justin Wilcox's Pilates routine. Or his intermittent fasting. So, but- yeah, Andy, to answer your question, like, yeah, we might suck, but at least we'll be at least we'll be in a conference where people care we suck. Well... <laughs> I hope uh, I hope whoever listened to this hour and a half, hour and forty minute long podcast, should we split into two? Used, maybe, uh, <laughs> but th- I think this also just deserves one. But I, whoever listened to this, I hope that this maybe helped you put some words into the emotions and everything that that you felt after this announcement. You know, like when we were in the Twitter spaces, like there was anger, there was confusion, there was like upset there was ambivalence like it was there's a lot of ranging emotions um and once again as andy said so i wasn't the only one with ambivalence yeah i think uh because there's a lot of people that are still just like all right let's just see how this all shakes out first before we like make any any emotional investment into it um but yeah however however you feel about the situation like i hope this this kind of helped maybe formulate some words and thoughts into it if not Tweet at me, tweet at Andy, tweet at Avi, tweet at our, at Golden Bearcast, and just uh, like I'd love to continue this conversation to to see like where people are and and what they think of the future of uh, college football and you know more specifically of where Cal football lands on that spectrum and Cal basketball. This is part one of a multi-year saga. Like we have we have many. Yeah, ways this to is go. the Cal cinematic universe at this point. Like we're 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 in for the long haul. Cal basketball is just Thor of the Dark World, so you're just gonna have to deal with that. No, Cal Cal basketball <laughs> Cal basketball is some like Christmas special that no one watched. That's basically where we're at. Oh, that's a terrible movie. I I agree. Let's wrap. Thank you, Avi, for coming on, sharing your thoughts, your great points. Rob, same to you, coming on, sharing your great points and your perspective. Cal fans out there, stay positive. And as always, go Bears. Go Bears.
I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.